When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Score, the podcast. The only show taking you inside the studios of the world's most celebrated composers and musicians. Coming to you this week from the Hollywood Hills, this is Score, the podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Holmes. It's great to be back with my co-host, Robert Kraft. What's up, Robert? Oh, it's great to be with you, Kenny, and Matt, and be at the amazing, amazing, which is a new word I'm going to use. It's an amazing studio that we have here. (laughs) Oh, this place. Wow. Brian Tyler's room is wonderful. Just wonderful. It's like a guitar center. There's so many instruments. We're surrounded by instruments. It's It's like a guitar center meets Tony Stark's Iron Man lair. Just Uh, look at all the drums. I mean, Yeah, and he's a drummer, so we're going to get a chance to ask Brian a lot of Great questions about his both his career, about some of the activities outside of film scoring that he's well known for, his DJing and his playing and his concerts. Rocking out. Rocking uh, we're out. also joined every week by our executive producer. You heard him over there tickling the soundboard, Matt Schrader. Hey, guys. Yo, hey, yo. Kenny, tell our listeners... Why we should know Brian Tyler? What has he done that makes him what hasn't so famous? he done? This guy, he doesn't sleep. Uh, Many movies. He's the maestro behind the monster Fast and the Furious franchise. Now You See Me, uh, Thor, The Dark World, Avengers, Age of Ultron. He's a Marvel guy. Uh, also some TV, Star Trek, Enterprise, Hawaii Five O, and also some huge video games. Assassins, excuse me, Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty. That's hard to say. Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Uh, Need for Speed, and uh, again. He doesn't sleep. He's also an EDM DJ by night, so he's at your local club on tour, rocking a, a packed stage. Also coming up in today's episode, uh, Behind the Score, featuring Oscar-winning composer Rachel Portman, plus another chance for our audience to win a sweet prize. Fabulous prize. Brian's going to join us and play Name That Score. And uh, the topic this week, Matt? Uh, the topic is robots and AI, artificial intelligence movies. There's a lot of these in the last uh, couple decades. and Kind of perfect for Brian, They sound too. similar, but a little different. I'm doing the robot right now. I like that. It's funny. And I'm going to look in the other direction just because it's also slightly <laughs> Thank embarrassing. Thank God this is a podcast. I thought about some things that we were talking about just before the the recording started, Kenny. I was wondering with Brian here, the whole sound of Marvel is really evolving. You look at these these movies, and in some ways it impacts, it may impact the way we think about Disney movies because the Disney universe contains Marvel. Right. Well, they, they picked up Star Wars. They picked up Marvel. Uh, even Pixar. This last, I think last week, uh, Disneyland is now officially announced that Anaheim, Disneyland, Paris, Hong Kong, they're all putting a Marvel world into Disneyland. So, yeah, it's sort of transitioning from princesses and, and Mickey and Minnie to, to superheroes. I wonder if you'll go from listening to Snow White in one part of the park to some kind of Black Panther queue as you move towards 
Wakanda. Well, and I think, you know, some of the classic Disney fans were a little up in arms when uh, they took away the Hollywood Tower of Terror mm. and put in the Guardians of the Galaxy ride, but that thing is sweet. It's interesting. You always have people that, that are a little bit upset about something leaving and something else replacing it, but uh, but it, that that kind of Disney sound, we we definitely think of something. We think of a, a Disney song or a Disney, you know, Robert, you've been involved, Little Mermaid. and Yeah, Robert um, was part of the team that created not only Under Little the Mermaid, Sea. But I also had the opportunity to write some theme songs for rescue rangers and some disney animated and there was really there was a sound you couldn't kind of go i was tempted to go kind of you know punk but i thought i don't know why that just didn't feel like a disneyfied approach so (laughs) do you feel like that sound is now is now evolving does does the thing that worked 20 years ago for disney movies so well does it still work? You think? Oh, I think it's I think it's evolving because the composers are evolving. You have Giacchino doing some of these kind of films, and you certainly and you have Brian Tyler doing Marvel. And as I'm sure Brian will talk about, film scoring continues to grow. It continues to embrace both cultural trends that we know, and I mean, you think about beach party movies in the '50s. They wanted a rock score, and you end up with that kind of cheap '50s beach music and which now sounds terribly out of date but i'm sure those summers they thought we're swinging we're right in the mix the way that we'll think that i mean that black panther score is so interesting and yet i wonder 20 years from today will it feel slightly dated because something new has happened well and and that's interesting to point out too with with the way things are evolving that these are becoming more and more concerts i mean brian does concerts all the time brian tyler uh, also, you know, Hans Zimmer just went on a sold-out world tour. and uh, Hans is a rock star. He's a rock star. I saw him. I actually uh, I saw a couple of the shows. The one I really loved was the Shrine Auditorium here in L.A. It was a rock concert. It was sold out and so sold out that they had barriers up in front of the Shrine and policemen on horseback, <laughs> like you were composer going, for yeah. a composer. Like Ten you years ago, would have been unheard of. The Beatles. Matt and I, we attended. I think it was the first show of the tour in L.A. Mm-hmm. at the Microsoft Theater. Yeah, he played. He played in L.A. twice. And this is for those who who uh, who haven't seen this. The it's now on Netflix. This concert. It's the uh, the one that he shot in Prague. Um, the yeah, concert. Same, same it, concert. It was, I think it was the same concert. You know, almost. You know. Track for track, cue for cue, but uh, it's re- it was a really impressive. If you have an opportunity to go to one of those, it's well worth it. I think the most amazing sentence containing these two pieces of information in it could not have been said any time until this summer, where you say in the same sentence, Hans Zimmer and Coachella. And Hans, headlining America's premier music festival says so much about where film music has gone and is going oh and i remember the the news articles i mean there were some huge headliners there and every big uh outlet was writing about hans zimmer and it was a huge buzz so hopefully that's the future and uh i think it is especially with again folks like brian doing concerts and a lot of these composers putting together shows it's uh it's a really exciting time and i I will definitely be a ticket buyer to any concert that comes oh, Brian, through here. Brian's shows are amazing because he's such a performer. And so we'll get to that. I think, Matt, in this episode, aren't we going to do a little behind the score? 
We are. Uh, we have a, uh, a thing with uh, Rachel Portman in this episode. Oh, I love her. I yeah, love just her. one of one She's of the greats, really, and and true, yeah, truly a pioneer too. Some of our cons- uh, conversation with her in London when we visited her studio in London, which was uh, a great experience, and we had some tea. She made I some tea for us. Did you really? Come, yeah, oh yeah. I think that's part of the London package. Oh, I uh-huh. loved it. I wanted two cups. <laughs> uh, plenty to come on Score the Podcast coming up after the break. We're bringing him in. We're here in his studio. Brian Tyler joins us. We'll be right back. Hi, Film Score fans. Matt Schrader here from Score the Podcast. We need your support as we launch into this competitive podcast world. If you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. We're working to bring you the best guests possible from the music of the screen. Better yet, leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for telling a friend and supporting Score. Hey, we're back. With Brian Tyler, the remarkable, he's always been remarkable since the day I met him. We might even get into that story, <laughs> but it's fun to uh, catch up, see you again, see your amazing new house. I'm glad I looked at the address today because, as I said, I was probably going to point in the wrong direction to, and wait and wonder yeah, where you tricky. were. Yeah, it's tricky. A little maze to get in here. Yeah. I was thinking when was the last time I saw you? It was actually at the premiere of our film, Score the Movie, at a theater in Santa Monica. Yeah, what yep. what theater was that, Matt? So Lemley or uh, Landmark? Yeah, what was yeah. what was the Arrow Theater? Arrow That's what it was yep, the Arrow right. Theater, Santa Monica. We want to let's let's start from the beginning. Kenny oh. had a question. We, we I want to jump right into this because <laughs> we're curious too. You about guys it. go back. Yeah, I've never felt less intelligent sitting in a room because I know we got two Harvard <laughs> Harvard guys here. Yeah. Um, but going back, I read somewhere that that Robert encouraged you to go into film scoring? Yeah. Is that true? It's absolutely true. Is it? Yeah, so so he probably doesn't realize what, what this, this, this <laughs> conversation um, uh, at, at the time. So I think this was in 96. This is a, this is a few years ago. I was 15 years old. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I was writing music at the time. I was back at Harvard, actually, and um, I had worked on a piece... Uh, there was a requiem that 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 uh, got played in in Boston, and I took a recording of that back with me to LA. And I was I was also working on records and and rock music, so I was in two worlds: classical style, you know, orchestra and symphonic music, and rock music, which kind of has and it makes sense. It's lasted to this day in a, in a way. Um, but uh, somehow I got in with. Uh, Robert to hear hear my music and and have a sit down meeting, which was you know one in a one in a million chance and <laughs> and uh, it, it was I I really was fortunate in that way and so I I walked in and we talked about it was at your office at at Fox and um, you were working I think on uh, maybe it, it was just I don't know there, there was a few movies you were working on at the time and uh, and we listened to some music and you you liked it. <laughs> First of all, how rare. It was obviously <laughs> early in my tenure at Fox that I actually listened to a composer's music in the room with them. Yes. I found the danger of that was you could only say, wow, that's great. Yeah. No, but it th- was. Th- this was. This was, you literally got on the phone, and um, before I knew it, I was over talking to Mike Gorfain. Wow! Yeah, how great! Yeah, and how lucky! Yeah, I was there. Yeah, big agents. Yeah, exactly. And and so there was some some tie-in and and some good timing, uh, you know, uh, 
there was there's a whole other avenue with uh, kind of two things happening at once, and it just it was it was serendipitous, you know. So remind me why I felt like either you were about to score or had just scored, but I remember being excited mm. about some music. Sword of the Samurai? Was that the name of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six-String Samurai. Six-String Samurai. Yeah, exactly. So I was just um, starting to do this indie, indie film that was kind of a combination of Russian-style, old-school, you know, uh, Volga Boatman kind of music. And, <laughs> oh, and, we Yeah, oh. exactly. And is a post-apocalyptic tale of a guy that has a guitar. So it's, you know, it, it, a wild thing. It, it, I, I scored a lot of it on guitar and all sorts of instruments. Anyway, that was going to Sundance and it it, it got a look, it got a re, you know, release and the soundtrack came out and all this was happening in, at the same time as as I was working on this this Requiem piece. And so I had these two avenues to kind of show at least what I could do a bit, you know, and and so And he nudged you. He in, definitely in one nudged direction. I don't know, you know, that's interesting. I think that there's occasions in your life when you are genuinely in the room with talent and you know it and you say you know to take any credit you're just actually just helping the door open that's obviously in front of the talent i've been there a few times where you just say i'm the lucky person in the room to see something that's happening in front of me it's not like that will never happen if you didn't have the goods well yeah i I, i'm glad to hear that i i'll tell you what it was very very good timing in a sense because when i what i was talking to you a lot about at the time was is i i had a record deal as well and i the the i was going to go on tour and i got this opportunity to do another movie as well and i i asked you about that and it was like one hand i need the record deal is in peril if i do the movie but the movie is in peril if i go on tour and little did we know napster was right around the corner and the record industry is about to change yeah, a heck time. of a lot. And so the, the, when I talk about, when you've come up in conversations, Robert, before, the, the reason why was, I feel so instrumental is because I really was on the fence at the time. I, want, and, and I wonder... Your words what, weighed in that I balance. I wonder what it was like to be in the room and hear what I responded, because I had been an artist and had yep. moved over. But it's actually an interesting... It, it's something I've wanted to ask you about, which is... I knew that you were a rocker. Mm-hmm. I knew that you played drums. I remember, I think, in the film, you mentioned something about listening to Led Zeppelin and Rush, your dad's yep. yeah. records. And it always... Yeah, when we interviewed you for score, you, you brought up that... Right. You, the drums... Matt, do you have the clip from... The last time we talked to you, I think we were talking about Fast Five and oh, how yeah. you can hear you playing the drums in that score. Oh, yeah. That's me playing. A little Calypso beat. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say Calypso because when we listen to it, I always thought it's Calypso. It's borderline almost clave, a kind of mm-hmm. Cuban. Yeah. So every, people would want to go into the, the tour. I mean, you, you are touring in other ways yeah. now, but yeah. what what made you stray away from that rocker band life and go into the, the composing world? Well, I mean... The, the th- since I started playing instruments, there was this, you know, uh, di- divide right down the middle of me. You know, it's, it's uh, I, I was one hand, I, I was loved exactly playing Rush and 
Zeppelin and Sabbath and Steely Dan and everything on the drums, <laughs> but I was a big Rachmaninoff, Liszt, piano, Chopin guy. So that that was my jam on the other side. It, they, and so my writing styles from the time I began writing music were in two different camps pretty firmly. So it, there was always this balancing act of which which do I pursue, but I I so idolized John Williams hmm. uh, that, uh, uh, you know, in in so many ways, like as amazing as he's seen around the world as a composer, I've always said he's incredibly underrated. Yeah. I, I, I think that he's he's more than than people even realize, which we'll, we'll be discovering for the next few hundred years. But be that as it may, um, th- that, that always kind of had a place in my heart at film music as... Uh, the thing that moved me the most emotionally and uh, just from a creative standpoint. And I felt like, you know what? I can always do the rock thing because I, 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 I just, I was around it a lot. And I just, I don't know. At the time, I thought that there was more of a horizon and expanding and being able to do it. That Coincidentally, the first movie I did involved some rock music. So I thought, well, gosh, I got to get my cake and eat it too here. I can do you know, some adagio for this scene, and I can do this breakdown rock bebop jam thing, you know. Uh, it's perfect. And we're, so. s- I mean, there's no short of drum shortage of drums in here. We're surrounded by drums. So. Drum, dr- surrounded by drums and pianos. You got, yeah. It's, it's uh, a perfect mix right down the middle. Yeah, exactly. In many ways, though, your conflict, mm. you didn't realize, and often an artist doesn't realize, you were articulating what was about to happen, which is that people that understood rock and could also even knew who Rachmaninoff was. <laughs> that's that's the money shot. Somebody who can do both, who understands filmic right. language and knows how to rock and knows how to go because the era just prior to yours, it was either or. You had rock guys that were doing rock scores that were lame because right. they couldn't go beyond that right. or orchestral guys that didn't know how to rock. Right. And the, actually, it made me wonder when I listened to that, that cue we just heard. Or um, we have something from Now You See Me. There are certain groups of musicians, I know you've recorded around the world, that knew how to rock, and certain musicians in some of the cities that I recorded in, they just didn't feel it as well. Much. Right, and right. swing was also very tough. Yeah, I mean, the 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 idea of, like you said, kind of being in entrenched in both worlds. It's it's how I learn music. I think a lot of that's probably because of influence of my dad's record collection. Honestly, because he was a score guy and mm. a classical guy, but he also had, you know, the Pink Floyd and Zeppelin and all that. And so, so I didn't really distinguish it from i just i just heard it as music so my my mixtapes growing up that i would make would be you know uh john barry you know and maurice jar going straight into sabbath i didn't (laughs) i didn't really realize and and i mean as a very young kid i didn't know that what why that was maybe a little out outside of the box of my friends but i i would i would preach the gospel of film score to my friends i mean since i was you know seven you know i just was like well listen to this record this is hot and it would be you know a de la rue record you know that i got on an import you know or some and so so 
it invariably influenced how I wrote music because I was someone that loved to write music at very on young you know I would read books and I would kind of score them you know on the mm. piano and I do that and that was my that was my outlet and and so I almost needed those two things and then I would love to sit down and play the guitar or cello or whatever it was I just um I would I would blend it that's why a lot of records like like the wall that used the London Symphony Orchestra it really it would hit me in the feels because um, when that brass comes in and those strings on certain, you know, um, uh, you know, like on Vera, that, that tune. And uh, it, it, it blended the worlds for me. And I, I, little did I know I would end up doing that someday as my career. Makes a huge difference. But certainly, you know, uh, the opportunity then to do something else that I'd love doing. Also, part of my dad's record collection was... You know, it was Blue Note, it was uh, Benny Goodman, it was Glenn Miller, it was Thelonious Monk, it was Miles Davis, all that jazz. This uh, and also the soundtrack to all that jazz. But I just I, that was a, that was a slip <laughs> of the tongue. Yeah. But I, I remember that record too. Um, and that's why right now doing, you know, Crazy Rich Asians, getting the opportunity to write new jazz music score that that is of the '40s, '50s. Um, it's once in a lifetime. Hopefully not once in a lifetime. I want to do it again, but certainly awesome to do. We've got to pause for just a minute, guys. Mm -hmm. uh, more to come with Brian Tyler, but first, Behind the Score. Behind the Score. The inside stories from Hollywood's greatest filmmakers and composers. During the production of Score, a film music documentary, one thing became clear. One of the traits composers seem to share is determination. Rachel Portman, more than most. In a high-stakes film industry traditionally dominated by men, she's the first woman to ever win an Oscar for original score. For the 1996 film, Emma. I only consider myself as a, as a composer that, wrote music, that writes music for film, not as a female composer. All that, I have a different sensibility, um, in a way. I mean, it, it may be true that I have a different sensibility because I'm a woman than, than a man on, on a film, but that doesn't mean a man can't write music that, that is, you know, a, a wonderful match for a very female subject and vice versa with me, um, being able to write something that is, you know, has a much more male energy. And it's quite interesting to, to mix them up, I think. Far from a fluke, Portman followed up Emma with two more Oscar nominations for Chocolat... and The Cider House Rules. Even at a young age, Portman would not be denied. She pushed hard to attend an all-boys school in England, where she could further her studies. And I went there because they had a fantastic music department there. And I, I, it was fantastic, and, and that's why I really started composing sort of loads and loads. I was just determined. And it was the determination that I think saw me through, because I w just wasn't going to give up. I knew that's what... I needed to be doing. Portman was the first woman to win an Oscar, but the next year, another woman won the award. Anne Dudley for The Full Monty. Portman says there will be plenty more to come. I know that there are um, a lot more female composers coming through, full stop. I mean, there's a lot more a lot more training and many more courses for it. And there's there seem to be many more composers wanting to work in the film, in the field. And, uh, and you know, for that, I you know would want to encourage you know, women to fight and come through because 
we are underrepresented. Portman earned an Emmy in 2015 for her score to the HBO film Bessie, directed by Dee Reese, and her films have to date grossed more than $1 billion at the box office. Now based in London, she remains one of the most sought-after composers in the world. For more stories behind the score, read Score, the interviews, based on the international hit film Score, a film music documentary featuring raw insight from Hans Zimmer, James Cameron, Quincy Jones, Randy Newman, Trent Reznor, and many more. Score, the interviews, available now at score-movie.com. Hey, we're back with the amazing Brian Tyler. And speaking of amazing, Brian scored a lot of amazing movies about heroes. Mm. Do you think about the character and his attributes? Do you simply think about this has to sound a certain way? It's purely in the musical information? Mm. How do you write a a hero's theme? You've written some great ones. Thank you. Uh, You know, depending on the hero, (laughs) it really, really is. And... I didn't even realize this. I you, I almost had to, you know, uh, after the fact, look back and see, uh, okay, if I felt that it worked, how did it work? And I'll, I'll give you an example, just a few contrasting heroes even in the same universe. Um, like uh, uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man, and Thor. Uh, I think we and, have Thor here. We can... Yeah, oh, right on. I just want to go smash someone with a hammer when I hear this. <laughs> yeah. So the idea behind that is you could hear the choir that that, yeah. that was I was conducting that in at Abbey Road. Um, the the idea behind Thor versus Tony Stark, if you can see that that was a march in twelve, and it has a really. Uh, Kind of galloping feel, uh, which which I think evokes that you know horses and and hey, and do me a favor. A, a I'm going to interrupt you for yes. our listeners. Yes, would you simply count the twelve out? How why? Because I understand duga da duga da, but so it'd be. How would you count out? So when you say it's a march in twelve, yeah, and I have accents. That's fantastic. Yeah, and and you can kind of hear the. You know of uh, of of the march of it. Now Iron Man is in straight time. It's in four four. You know, and uh, also heroic theme on brass and strings. But somehow the the twelve evokes a bit of uh, supernatural. Uh, since it's it harkens to this time gone past. There's something about it that sounds more godlike in a sense. Mm. Thor is not. Oh, here's Iron Man. The chords as well uh, are more based in um, kind of contemporary style for Iron Man Tony, and it's because he's a human being. These people both these 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 two superheroes both live in the Marvel universe, and the, it's this fantastic world where they intermix. But they're really two distinct characters. One's a guy that's a billionaire that that has learned his craft and built a suit and is really clever, and the other guy is a fish out of water uh, son of. You know, uh, a, a god who's you know, he's a demigod, kind of coming into his own, but he he has supernatural abilities, and one does one does and one doesn't. And so, writing these things, and even the chords and the melodies and the way 
the instrumentation he's used and harmonization. It's all kind of gr one is more grounded in something that like an like blue collar in a way, even though this guy's a billionaire <laughs> in a sense compared to a god. It's more human. It is more human, and and where the where Thor's aspirational music that that theme sounds like you know. It's almost out of reach. It's something we can aspire to, but we can never get to. Iron Man's attainable. You know? What's great about the way you answered the question is you really got to the character. It's really the right. character that inspires it. It's yes. not the heroic nature of it. These are two characters with two different themes. Yeah. I also, we, we always wonder about some of the other work you do. I know you're doing concerts, and I know you've done video games. Mm. Huge, fact, huge video games. Assassin's Creed, Black Flag. Yeah. We have a piece from that at Super Cool. <laughs> When you, I gotta know, when you do a video game, do you have to create a constant loop? How is it uh, different to prepare a video game versus a movie? You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, the, if it, the the I'm not the guy to call if they need a perfect loop. <laughs> I just modulate way too much and change tempos. But the thing that's really interesting about video games is that where it used to be, I think the mindset was make it perfect, make it loop perfectly. So when you go through a scene and you're playing, you do not notice any anything because it just continuously plays. But then I think I was fortunate, and when I started scoring Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed and you know Far Cry in these games, they they became such advanced technological engines that it allowed for things like multiple ways to we would record a cue a few different keys with different outros that i felt and they would look to me for advice hmm. can i would say you know what we don't need to stay in the same key the whole time which they would ask for by specifically when i was first offered a game which i rejected i won't say the name of the game they they literally were saying stay to the same key and same tempo the entire for the entire levels it's like hypnotizing yeah horrible right so so what happened was they actually these to their credit, they would say, "Well, what do you think would work?" And I and I felt that I would what I would do is I would keep in mind modulations upward or downward that would make sense. Hmm. So I would so you can play a game and it's really for a, even a level for hours, and you you'll have so much more variation because you'll have different tempos and and keys within even a single piece of music. And really, the, the idea of the music playing is is directed by the, the the person playing the game. Like I write the music, but how it's heard is different every single time. Depending Amazing. on where you go or yeah. what you're doing. And, and so I've I have watched I've gone to EA and uh, I uh, I'm sorry, um uh EA was a, a Electronic Arts, it was great. Mm -hmm. Um but I would go to um all sorts of different gaming conventions and, and I would host E three. E three and yes, I, and I would speak at them and I would often watch people play games that I scored. And it was really interesting to hear my music in a sense remixed or yes. rearranged in a way I never would have thought of because like music of how editor. the person just yes. How the person played the game. And so um it, it's uh I still do it in a natural kind of old school way, but um it's it allows us to do that now. The games come that far. The technology. 
So it allows for me not being technological. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and the the days cool. of the, the looped Mario theme are out the window, though. It's, but yes, no, it's far from that. But there was a middle ground where the games were getting very advanced and looking great. But they kind of the it was baked in the cake. I think yeah. people still were thinking in a certain way. Like you had to do it. Even when you're using orchestras and whatnot, it was still doing the loop thing. And so I... I I just wouldn't do it. I couldn't creatively get behind doing it that way. So I think maybe the technology in a way it had, and just the open-mindedness had to, I had to, we we had to meet and and converge where my stylistic way of writing met up with the way love that. that. It. I love it when the artist actually <laughs> leads the technology yeah. in a way to say, you have to accommodate my skill set too. Yeah. We had one more thing. I just wanted to, ask about it. we were talking about it kenny you want to oh yeah you're just... kind, you're kind of a superhero right in the daytime you're <laughs> yes. brian tyler and then at night you put on the 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 club mask and you're <laughs> mad sonic yeah I... For, where did the name come from first off is that is that sega related or what <laughs> you know i i now looking back on it it sounds like it um it's it's funny and literally the it, minus the superhero part or uh, the i've i've had Many times where I've been conducting in the day, and I literally was like, you know, I have three hours to get to the venue to do this, you know, music festival or something, and 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 it's 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 a lot of fun. It's really gratifying. I I am able to do. Um, uh, there's an outlet there that uh, that not only widens my knowledge as I go and learn, but it informs my film scoring. There's a lot you can learn by getting up there and playing live still in front of people because there's a spontaneity that happens. And I've picked up a lot of tips watching an audience react to music and having to change in the middle of my set 35, 45 minutes in thinking, uh-oh, wait, what's going on here? And you kind of the ebb and flow. Whereas I don't sit in the theater until I've already done my work for a film to really realize how it works. But it is amazing how I think music, regardless of the genre, affects human beings in a way. Um, but um, Does that electronic sound come into your... So like for, for Fast... What was the clip? Fast 7. It sounded a lot more electronic. It had a similar uh, beat to it. Do you have that clip, Matt? Uh, yeah. It does depend. Does it, and so the palette of EDM, you feel right. it creeps into film scores? Uh, it, oh, it does sometime. And I would say Fast and Furious is a good example. Sometimes it's a total hybrid, like Power Rangers, which was very much an orchestral score. Oh, here we go. Orchestra and... This has a little EDM feel to it. It's a, it's like a crushed beat. It's a halftime kind of almost uh, future bass beat. And then, dun, dun, dun. yeah, and it has uh, tr kind of trap hi-hats. And so some of the production does come in on certain films, and, and it's by whatever it is by design. For instance, doing I'm doing uh, something with uh, with Taylor Sheridan, the hmm. writer of uh, Sicario and whatnot. And, 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 and it's interesting because the approach is completely opposite, where if it's, it doesn't go through a microphone and it's not acoustic, it's not part of the score, and there's no percussion either. Hmm. Um, it's it's actually like strings and and kind of you know uh, so so it kind of depends on the project. I like I like actually creating um, restrictions to what what I do on a score. In other words, I often start a score and think I am not going to use any instrument that is here or over here, and so it restricts me and it frees me up. If you can use any instrument all the time, I think it just becomes uh, uh, 
a wall of beige. You don't need to use everything all the time. In fact, choose your orchestra size even wisely. Sometimes uh, 28 strings or 28 members of the orchestra is is better, and sometimes 100 is better. Sometimes 45 is better. Um, and sometimes no electronics is better, and that's what we did on Crazy Rich Asians. It was like, could we record this score in 1940? If yes, then do it. <laughs> uh, and with that, we got to take a quick break. Uh, coming up after the break, though, we're going to play Name That Score. What's the topic again, Matt? Uh, robots and AI movies. Oh. We're going to uh, put you to the test. You're going to win a prize for some lucky listener. Oh, it's possible. We'll be right back. <laughs> hey, Matt Schrader here, director of Score, of film music documentary. For the latest news from the film music world, follow us on Facebook. Just search Score, a film music documentary or let us know who you want to hear next on the show on twitter at score the podcast welcome back to score the podcast we're inside the studios of brian tyler and we're about to jump right in it's time to play we have to say it ready name Name that that score. score hit it matt Get ready to play Name <laughs> That Score! Oh, dear. It's a film music game where a perfect score means you, yes, you, could be a winner. Now let's play Name That Score! Matt's going to freelance over at Price is Right. So uh, here's how this works. We play five famous scores, but in reverse, you'll choose from three multiple choice answers. The fifth and final question is worth double. If anybody gets all five questions right, we give away a prize on our Twitter account uh, at score the podcast. Just mention hashtag name that score. Right um, and because the best scores have a theme, so does this game. Today's theme is robots and AI movies. Oh boy! Oh man! Yeah. Uh, Brian, one of these may sound familiar. Oh yeah, not. I think Brian did a couple. Uh, we'll give anything away, uh, but we'll uh, we'll go through these. We got five questions. First question here. I'll give you the options first. Is this? And remember, it's backwards. Is this RoboCop, Pacific Rim, or the Terminator? Oh, it's backwards. That's the Terminator backwards. Brad Brian Fidel. says Terminator. Yeah. Oh, well, he, if he's that confident. First of all, if Brian says that's Terminator. I was thinking, how in the world is this really a drag for Brian? He's going to have to. And then he said right away, Terminator backwards. So I'm definitely going with Terminator backwards. Let's, let's all just, yeah. Everybody's going Terminator? Yes. That's awesome. All right. Yeah. Well, that started off. I think I'm just whatever Brian says. I'm saying yes. <laughs> We're gonna make Robert go first here oh, now, shoot. so he doesn't, Please, uh, doesn't copy anyone. Wait, so, so am, I, am I speaking out of turn? I'm not supposed to just like shout it out. You're supposed to shout it out. Oh, okay. Well, it depends on how Rob, whether Robert recognizes oh, it or not. No, I think that I want <laughs> Brian to shout Robert, it out. Robert, Robert's been known to just so, go with everyone. So, else are we a team or are we a team? Or I like the team approach. Okay, I didn't know if you want to win or competitive. So someone will win. If one of us gets all of them right, so if if you're sure, I'm going to give Brian that one. We do want no someone question. to win, though. So if if you're real sure, yeah, that's definitely Brian. Confidently shout. Question so, so, two. Okay. I'll go first. I'm not sure whether that's the fire away. Rules Rob, here, all right, so Robert. Robert says going to go first. Here. <laughs> I'm saying the Flintstones theme. Here is question a, a classic <laughs> oh, <no>. AI movie. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Flintstones. Question two: Is this Wally, Blade Runner, or Westworld? Uh, 
Oh, Brian's raising really, his hand. I know. I know really it. Annoying. Yeah, it's definitely not Wally. And I've listened. Of course, oh, you didn't say Blade Runner 2049 or original. Evangelist. Because I'm going with Evangelist, Blade Runner. No, thank you. I'm hearing a, a That negative. is true. I'm going, Robert, you got it. I was thinking, Blade Runner. Yes, it's Blade Runner. Yes. All right. Oh, Blade Runner. We're, we're all God, two for two I'm here. So These Can you play it? I want to hear it. Do you have too it? Too easy. Here we go. That sounds better. Much better forward. Yeah. And I'm taking the guess because that's such a Vangelis sounding synth sound. CS80. That was what Yamaha CSA. Yeah. That is what gave it away. Okay. So yes. points for ever we're perfect so far. Two Good. for two for everybody. Question three is this Tron Legacy, Transformers, or Oh, I gotta go the first. original Iron Man. Oh man, now everyone's a hundred percent and pressure's on me. I'm gonna go. Transformers. Kenny says Transformers. I'm going to go with our guest of the episode. I'm feeling Brian Tyler on Iron Man. Well, the original Iron Man is Ramin Jawadi. Ramin, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going with... Brian would have heard that if... uh... (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I feel like he would have feel like it. uh, Yeah, I'm going with Iron Man. Robert? (laughs) Oh, yeah, Iron Man. It's Iron Iron Mensch. Transformers. Oh, oh, we all missed it. Kenny got it. I got it. Kenny got, right. it. got it. Okay, so oh, okay. full disclosure. Points. I was just going with the body language at the table, thinking they're kind of leaning towards Iron Man over at that side. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with it. I have no idea. I have the the social that's, media that's backing good. now. That's crazy when you hear it. Forward. I can run it. <laughs> Everybody's rooting for Kenny because if he gets the, uh, the last ones, uh, then we uh, the give winner. away a prize. Here all right. Question four: Come Is on. this AI, artificial intelligence, by John Williams? Big Hero 6 by Henry Jackman or Star Wars? Well, I have a guess. Um, okay, I'm trying to think of the, the, the first choice was... Is this AI, artificial intelligence? That's not AI. Big Hero 6. I don't think it's Star Wars. I'm going to go Star Big Wars. Hero 6. six yeah. I'm going Just Henry out of Jackman. process of elimination. Same. Everybody? Yep, Big Hero 6 by Henry Jackman. Oh, man, the pressure's on. This is like bottom of the ninth. All right, good. Last question. Here we go. This question is worth double. Not that it matters, really. But you guys. any of us that we just need to be sure amongst ourselves. Well, so this is tricky. We have a scenario here where if Kenny gets this one right, he, of course, wins the game and we give away a prize. If he loses and one of you guys get it, you get two points, so you win the game, but no one wins a prize. Oh, so God. we'll see here. I, we may give away a prize just just for. Grants. We might do it just just, <laughs> just an In and Out Burger. Check our, uh, our Twitter. <laughs> score the podcast. All right, question five: Is this Real Steel by James Horner, I Robot, or The Matrix? Oh, I definitely. Well, know I know this. this yeah, uh, so you go with it because it is the the. Mm, uh, I'm not gonna say it. the mm, uh, the. I want you to may the. I want you to go so together because the matrix. The there we go. Hey. Right. Almost sounds the same backwards. Isn't that interesting? We played it backwards the first time, but it sounds it sounds so similar. Yeah. What's yeah, it? What is it when a word is the same backwards as forward? 
A palindrome? Palindrome. Yeah. That's Madam, a palindrome score. Yeah, uh, Har- the, Harvard guys. I'll tell you what. What's the longest palindrome you can think of? Is it the canal one? Panama no, that's, that's a palindrome. A palindrome, one word. Oh, now we're in a whole new show I'm, here. I'd like to know. <laughs> Harvard I'm, palindrome. I'm going to go with <laughs> new Rota- on podcast. Rota- Rota- Rotavator. You know what? I oh, didn't wow. bring my rotavator today, but <laughs> I, I'm going to take the first rotavator out of here. Vintage rotavator. All right. That's so uh, our winner of uh, of that game is uh, none other than Kenny Holmes. Kenny Holmes. I'm glad you got rid of the fireworks noise because the fireworks noise sounded just like we had a bad cable. I'm glad you got rid of that one. Yeah. Now we get a drum. That is a very interesting choice of topic to ai and robots i like it mm-hmm. i like it it's a and, very uh, new genre new genre all right well we're gonna wrap wow. it up here I'm, I'm kind of exhausted after the game because it just it's very very taxing yeah that was stressful backwards but <laughs> i've learned somehow the only thing i know about this game after playing it now a few times is that john williams forward and backwards fills up the airspace in a way that no one else does. Right. It just is. You feel it when a John Williams score comes on. The whole room seems full of brass and French horns, and it's it's (laughs) so distinct, even backwards. Yep. All right. Well, uh, just a quick reminder, this is a new show, uh, and we're trying to get the word out. So please jump on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. Share us. Subscribe to us. Tell a friend. Spotify uh, podcast too. Want to thank Brian Tyler. Brian, uh, yeah. our fans can find you on social media at Brian Tyler Music. Yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that. Good Jump stuff. on there. Yeah. Uh, also, if you want to check out uh, Score, a film music documentary which features Brian among, among other uh, fabulous movie, fabulous composers, <laughs> go uh, to Score-Movie.com and you can pick that up. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Thanks all. Brian. Right on.